Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, the scripture says, he lingered. Yet. He loved. He lingers when he loves. Sometimes he doesn't show up when we want him to. The old folk used to say he never come. He may not come when you want him to come, but he's always on time. Hallelujah. Prophetically speaking, uh, it is high time to prepare yourself with great expectation, with great hope, with extremely great anticipation, hope, and expectation. Uh, for a needed visitation from the Holy Spirit. I've been awakened uh, several times at three in the morning, and I want you to think about three. Actually, it was at three in the morning when Jesus gave up the ghost, three in the afternoon, rather. 3 p.m. when he gave up the ghost, he died on Golgotha at the ninth hour. He hung there from the sixth to the ninth hour, and that is from 12 noon to 3 p.m. When you invert that, that 3 p.m. to 3 a.m., this is what people are saying around the world. At 3 a.m. in the morning, it is the most intense warring that's taking place um, that you can imagine. Demonic warring. Demonic spirits are active at 3 a.m. And you need to know that. The enemy is always trying to copy what the Lord is doing. So when Jesus died on the cross, At 3 p.m., the enemy at 3 a.m. is trying to war. This is when witches and warlocks come. This is when they send their spells. And what you want to do, anytime you can't sleep at night, you just wake up. Instead of saying, I have insomnia, roll out of the bed and get on your knees and go to battle. Maybe you need to call a family member. Maybe you need to call out a family member. If you don't have a strong anointing, you call them at 3 a.m., they may say the wrong thing to you. But I want to encourage you to uh, talk to God about it. Just speak to God in the morning and he will answer you. And I've been stirred in my spirit, uh, not necessarily because of demonic activity. I do believe there's an intense battle and something is coming. Something is coming. A lot of people right now, okay, but wow, wonderful things are happening. Checks are coming. Stuff is coming. I really appreciate it. And a lot of people are about to spend wildly. I would recommend to you to really be cautious right now. Please don't overspend and go on cruises right now. Save your money. Something is coming. And just because a new president is in doesn't mean the enemy's plan has shifted. And America has some dark days ahead. The world has some dark days ahead. At the same time, there's some great expectation and anticipation about what God wants to do in this world. So I want to talk about conceptions uh, that center around an official visit. When I talk about the Holy Ghost is coming, some people first thing they think about, oh, a visitation is coming. Maybe punishment is coming. Because sometimes when God shows up, you look at the scripture, God shows up, he shows up in power. When the angels came to Sodom and Gomorrah, they didn't come to play, to play games, they came to destroy. 
And uh, when Noah showed up preaching for 120 years, he didn't come to play games. He said, something is coming. And when prophet Elijah would show up, anything, he would always run into the city. The scripture described him and John the Baptist with long dreadlock looking hair with uh, uh, living in the wilderness, uh, wearing camel's hair inside out. So his clothing was not smooth like everyone else. And if you've ever been around a camel, they smell real bad. And their hair is, cor is, 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 is coarse, and it's like, uh, like spines, you know? And so you, could, you, you get up on a camel, and you're like, wow, this is a nasty beast. <laughs> and uh, yet that was the mode of travel for many. And John the Baptist would eat locusts. That's like a grasshopper and wild honey. But when these two men would come into a city, especially Elijah, everybody at the gate would say, do you come in peace? Do you come in peace? Or is there something coming? Because if he asked God to shut up the heavens, God would shut it up. He prayed that God shut the heavens and it didn't rain for three years and six months. And if you read the book of James, it says, and he prayed again. Hallelujah. And the earth, the heavens just opened up and began to pour down. And that's what I want to encourage you. The next time you pray, expect God to open it up. We like to talk about the power to close things up. But what about the next time? Hallelujah. So when we think about visitations, sometimes we think about punishment. But I want you to think about a blessing. Holy Ghost is about to show up big time. And I'm not really sure about how he's going to do it, but I want you to expect a miracle. Expect a miracle. He's also going to show up in benefits, with benefits. And the benefits the Holy Ghost is about to release upon you is going to give you the advantage. It's going to give you the verbal advantage. It's going to give you the financial advantage. It's going to give you that confidence, the, 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 the confidence. And when you have confidence, you always have an advantage. A boxer with confidence is better than anyone with skill. You can have skill all day, but if you lack the confidence, you won't swing. Benefits are coming. Another thing I want you to think about is inspections. Uh, inspections are coming. Holy Ghost is coming to inspect your capacities. To assess your ability to hold the blessing. He's going to assess your netting capacity. The capacity to hold fish. Your capacity to hold prosperity. Your capacity to hold the blessing and the miracle and the benefit and the advantage that he's bringing to you. You also want to think about, when you talk about inspection, you want to think about examinations. A lot of times people's blood pressure goes up. Folks, their blood pressure goes up when they go to see a doctor because for some reason we just get real, real tight in our blood vessels when we're being examined. Well, you got to get used to it. Holy Ghost ever so often will assess your life and your capacity. It's about to happen again. Don't be afraid of it. Just relax. God loves us. He loves us more than I can articulate in a message. He loves you more than you love yourself. He's not trying to kill you. 
If he wanted to do that, he can take breath away right now and no one can stop it, no matter what we do. So if we're here today, he's saying, I'm giving you another chance. After this examination, after this assessment, you need to know that God is going to show you the review that he has for you. A paper readout, a spiritual readout of where you are. A lot of people push back on investigations. We just want the blessing. But I thank God that before he blesses, he always checks out our capacity. That's why he tries to prophetically through messages get us to lengthen our cords and to strengthen our, our stakes before the blessing comes. That is Isaiah 54. For many of you, go back and read it in verse 1. Sing, O barren woman. The capacity is not there right now. But sing, O barren woman. You haven't brought forth this next dimension, but I want you to stop focusing on your womb right now and take it to the next dimension and start worshiping God. And when you sing, barren woman, you who've never been down there, never been into a nursery, never ever been able to pick out the colors and make sure that there's something in the room right now. But I need you to stop focusing on the barrenness and sing, O barren woman, you who have not born, the one who has not broken forth or brought forth a child. He prophetically says, for greater is are, are you and your capacity and your children than even of the married wife, said the Lord. In other words, I can do something in your barrenness that will blow your mind. Glory to God. No, you haven't had a child yet, but I got an Isaac that I want to get to you. I got something that I'm going to do, a blessing that I'm going to plan in you. And it's going to happen when you didn't do it yourself. And it's going to make you laugh. And out of that one, hallelujah, multitudes like the sands of the sea is going to come forth in the name of Jesus. And it's going to blow the minds of the world. It's even blowing them up even now because Israel is still growing. That little small piece of land has produced more Nobel Peace Prize winners than any other nation on the face of the earth, including America. So when he says, I'm going to bless you, even though you're, you're barren, believe it and start giving him praise. And all he said is, single barren woman, don't sit back and cry about your depression. I need you to raise up your hands and start giving me the glory. You're looking at the natural too much. And I need you to start looking through the lenses of the scripture. I need you to expect me to do it. Glory to God. I'm trying to raise some expectation up in here because God wants to do something and he's on his way. He let me know he's already put the package in the vehicle. All he's doing now is sending it. It is on his way. Holy Ghost is about to show up. We're about to see something unusual happen. Sing, Baron. Glory to God. Jesus in our text visits what we call a city by the name of Bethany. Bethany. I want you to put it. He visits Bethany. It is the Greek term. It is actually a feminine term. Bethany. Glory to God. This city is very unusual. And there are three things that I want to share with you. It's going to take me several messages to get it out. But there are three things that I want to share with you about the proximity of Bethany. Why did Jesus go there to rest? Why would Jesus mark that place out of all of the beautiful terrain? Why not Mount Zion? Why didn't he go there to rest? Why would he go to Bethany to a small house with three people in it? And there he would rest. 
The scripture is clear there. He loved Martha and he loved Mary. In other words, he could let his hair down when he was there. When God can go to your house and let his hair down. When God can rest at your house, he rests. His presence abides. He's not just coming in, touching you, and you shake, and you have your shouting service. He stays for a while. Glory to God. And I want us to start thinking about creating the atmosphere for God's rest. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Bethany, a Hebrew origin, write it down, it's called the house of welcome. There was something about this city that welcomed the presence of God. In other words, there was no gate at the city, no sentinel at the city, nobody holding up signs saying, we don't want your kind here. There was some stuff. There was no prejudice there. What, the, what you saw in Bethany was a welcoming. People spoke to each other. People communicated. There was fellowship in the city. It's also called the house of figs. In other words, when you get there, obviously figs were big in the city. People can eat from the fig. And a lot of people at that time would eat from the fig to get energy. Thank you, Lord. I want you to think about the energy that comes from your diet. In the spirit, we would see a richer word. A word that propels you to move forward. A word, hallelujah, fig that pushes you into another dimension. When you eat it, you can go a little further. You can work a little harder because it gives you some energy. It releases some sugar into your bloodstream that gives you a little bit more energy. The fig then was so potent, it's like an energy drink today. Come on, monster, venom, <laughs> don't get it, don't do it. Red Bull, none of those things have the nutrients that you need. The fig here, obviously there, was, there were plants all around this place. It was known as the house of figs. Glory to God. Bethany, Bethany. First of all, this town, and I want, these are the three things that you need to examine. This town that caused Jesus to rest, it attracted him. They welcomed him there and it was full of figs. Number one, you need to see the town is very close to Jerusalem. Very close to Jerusalem. Many of the kings of Jerusalem, when they, uh, especially after Christ died, when they would take the throne, they would take this statement as well. Not just this is the city of Jerusalem, but I am Jerusalem. I am peace. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I represent the God of peace and I am Jerusalem. And from this point, I speak to you. Jerusalem, in other words, there's an ideal about the city. It's not just the location, but it's a, there's an ideal that I am what you see. I am the city of peace. I have it inside of me. Glory to God. What happens if we start saying, I am the kingdom of God? Not just I'm entering into the kingdom, but I am God's kingdom. It's working through me. 
When you step on the scene and when you get in a bunch of chaos and you start having this mindset, when I am the kingdom of God, he's working in me. Yes, there's struggle in the kingdom. Yes, the devil doesn't want me to make it. But I thank God that the kingdom is in me. Glory to God. And because the kingdom is in me, I can do mighty exploits in the earth. I can expand and advance the kingdom. Hallelujah. I can gain some territory. I can take new territory. I can take new grounds. I can bust uh, into new dimensions, break forth. There's a breaker's anointing, not just to break people down, but to break forth in the name of the Lord, to break into new territories. And I'm just decreeing that right now, that there's no time to cower or to take a step back. We've been back way too long. Anticipate a time where we can push forward and expand the kingdom. As you all can tell, I'm really excited this morning. Thank you, Lord. Not only was this town called Bethany near Jerusalem, it will pull Jesus out of Jerusalem into this place to rest. But it's also at the foot of the Mount of Olives. It's at the foot of the Mount of Olives. You need to make sure you write that down. I want you to think about a mountain that's full of groves, not oranges. Not grapefruits, but olive trees. They would take the olive, crush it to create the oil. Jesus found rest when he was close to the foot of the Mount of Olives. Hallelujah. And the third thing that I want you to see is that there are three people who lived in this city. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And for some reason, a place near Jerusalem, a place that's at the foot of the Mount of Olives, and a place that had three people, special people in his heart, he would go to their house in Bethany and rest. Glory to God. This is the place that he stayed his last week on the earth. Passion week. He spent it in Bethany. What would you like to be if you had one one week left in your life? Well, some people say, I want to visit Paris and I'd like to go to the Eiffel Tower for Jesus. It was, I want to go to Bethany. Thank you, Lord. And I'm praying that somehow, some way, as I teach, glory to God, that you will begin to pull the, the, the ingredients and the essentials from these three dynamics. And make sure when you pray, you have them in your own house. Because you're going to then attract the presence to your house. And he'll abide for a while. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Are you at the foot of the mountain? Is there any oil flowing? Are you near, hallelujah, the city of peace? Do you have any peace or is there chaos that you're dealing with in your life? Do you have any friends? Do you have any friends you can trust? Watch this, and they can trust you. (laughs) 
Oh, I don't only deal with people that keep my business out of them. What about what they can trust about you? Do you ever unveil yourself to the point where they can see that part of you that no one else sees? Or do you only show them what you want them to know? Mary and Martha and Lazarus were the kind of people, and all three of them lived in one house. And it made Jesus rest. I got a word for you this morning. The appearance of the Holy Spirit is near. I want to pronounce to you, Trim Nation, and every other nation on the face of the earth, that the appearance of the Holy Spirit is near. He's coming. Oh, Bishop, he's already here. Absolutely. But many of you don't know it. He's coming. And I'm not talking about coming from heaven. He's about to reveal himself in another measure. He's coming, write it down, in word. In word. In other words, he's going to give you full sight. He's going to take your hindsight. He's going to add it to your foresight, which is going to give you insight and then full sight. Number two, he's coming in works. Expect the works of Holy Spirit. He's coming in works. One of the works he's going to do is sanctify. Another work he's going to do is empower. Another work he's going to do is prosper. He's going to empower you with miraculous faculties to do what he called you to do. And you got five senses and for some of us we're visually impaired or we may have a hearing problem or some of us can't feel like we used to or we can't see like we want to see. Whatever the issue is, hear, feel, see, smell and taste. But God wants to add to you a miraculous faculty. And right now the church has many people with natural innate talents. But what the devil doesn't want is your spiritual gift to be released. That which the Holy Ghost gives you, that's not innate. And if you know Jesus and have the Holy Spirit, every single one of us have a gift on the inside. And the reason why God wants you to connect with the church is because it is the ministry gift that would unearth that, that spiritual gift that's inside of you so it can begin to prosper and begin to go forth. And you have to be in the proximity, hallelujah. You have to be in the proximity of the church to get it on earth. People that go and isolate themselves will only activate their talent. But if you want your spiritual gift to be activated, you got to get in the community of the church. Thank you, Lord. And the third thing Holy Ghost is about to do is to create witnesses. What will come with the witness are interpreters. We're living in a day now where God is adding to the body interpreters. In other words, you may speak Spanish and I speak English. And if we're not careful, we'll miss some of the meaning. But Holy Ghost is going to raise up interpreters to make sure everything you feel and say and everything I'm feeling and saying is heard and understood. I was preaching in Honduras. I can't speak Spanish. I just know a few words like la mujer and peri, 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 periodical or what is a bicycle, a bici, bicicleta, something like that. I can know pan is bread and agua is water. I know a few things like I like the word for horse, a uh, caballo. 
Ooh, Rosetta Stones, y'all. <laughs> Rosetta Stones. If you want to learn a new Spanish, I just like that word, caballo. And I was preaching down there, and I had an interpreter, and you got to get into a rhythm. I said, Jesus is Lord, and the person said, ba 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 Then I said, Jesus is coming soon. They said, ba 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 I said, whoa, Jesus Lord. They said, la 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 <laughs> We got into a little rhythm, and all of a sudden, I heard this sound, right? And it was like people just started praising God. It was just like this. I was like, what? So I stopped. It was thundering. Guess what? It started raining. And the church that we were in had a tent, a uh, uh, aluminum roof. And it started raining. And I was talking about it's going to rain uh, uh, and, and just prophesying like that. And it started raining. And people just, they drowned me out. They just started praising. So I took a step back. And the pastor said it hadn't rained here in about two years. Thank you, Lord. And man, we, everybody just started crying. You want to talk about Holy Ghost? I didn't have to preach anymore. And I believe it's about the rain. Works. The works of the Spirit. The dry place will become a pool. And thirsty lands, springs of water. In the habitation of dragon. In the habitations of dragon. Hallelujah. Shall be grass, reeds, and rushes. In other words, wherever the lizard starts to live and thrive, God is going to turn it into an o oasis. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Expect it. The witness. The witness. The witness. The interpreter. Then worship is going to another level. Holy Ghost is going to begin to spawn the worship. He's going to begin to spawn the worship. Now, if you want prosperity, don't go for it. You got to learn to worship. If you seek first the kingdom and worship and God's righteousness, he'll add everything to you. Glory to God. Worship is going to worship, worship. Start trying to find out the worth of God and then you can worship him. Thank you, Lord. And I was teaching new members class on yesterday and there's a difference between worship and praise let everything that hath breath praise the Lord you haven't separated yourself at all from any the animal kingdom or anything else when you praise he does love praise but birds praise the lions praise everything you touch is a song you touch my life one day and you got to understand that's the whinings for those of you that don't know and God wants you and I to learn how to not just praise him because lions praise when they roar and birds and bees praise when they buzz. You praise when you lift up holy hands. But the difference between praise and worship is praise can be done in a different room. But when you worship, you have to be, it's more intimate. You have to be in the same room and you draw close enough to touch. It's intimate and God wants it. He wants us to come out of the exuberant praise sometime and settle down and reach for him. Make the connection. Make the connection. I know there's not a lot of people in the sanctuary, but you can make the connection. And when you worship, you don't look around and see who's looking. You're focusing on one. You're focusing on one. You're not looking at that. You're not looking for the worship leader to hit a curly cue. you got your own song. Everything he touched is a song. You become the song. You are Jerusalem. You are the kingdom of God. He's in you to manifest his power. Glory to God. Word, works, witness, worship. Watch this. Warmth is coming. The warmth of his presence. 
And God is attracted to warmth. Warmth in the kingdom comes in the, um, in the dynamic of fellowship. You grow warmer through fellowship. When you're not fellowshipping, when you have your life fragmented, you cannot experience the abiding presence of God because the warmth that he's looking for that will attract him comes as we fellowship one with another. Isolation. That's why I said on Wednesday night, coronavirus is the devil. Because what it does is, and it doesn't discriminate, it doesn't respect Boundaries, just like the devil. It doesn't care about what ethnic group it attacks. It's just like the devil. It doesn't care that you love the law, just like the devil. It doesn't care that you're trying to pull your family together, just like the devil. He doesn't care that you got a heart for God and you're helping people. He'll try to kill you too, just like the devil. He hates God's people. Just like the devil does. Glory to God. And so you got to understand that he doesn't respect boundaries. It doesn't respect God's house. It doesn't. It wants to separate. And many of us are allowing it to do its job by not allowing us to fellowship. If you want warmth, you got a fellowship and Holy Ghost is attracted to the fellowship, not the individuality. So break it in the name of the Lord in your mind. Say to yourself, I got to get back to the house. I've got to get back to the things of God. I got to get warmer. I've been out in the cold too long. Thank you, God. Families can't go through it. Neither can churches. You can't stay isolated all of your life and say you represent God. We must get over the past and embrace the now. Glory to God. Here's another one. Here's another W. Here's another one. Heads up. Here's another one. Here's another. Heads up. Here's another one. Wealth is coming. I'm prophesying wealth. I was preaching on prosperity one time. A whole group of people. What direction are we going in? I said, what are you talking about? Are you trying to be like Creflo Dollar? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't ever try to tell me what to preach. What? I preach a message on prosperity and all of a sudden I'm trying to, what about Kenneth Copeland? They preach it all the time. But don't tell me I can't preach a message on prosperity. I don't preach prosperity doctrine, but God wants you to prosper. He wants you to be in health even as your soul prospers, man. If you go to Africa, you're going to see Europe owning property in Africa. Listen to what I say. The Queen and Belgian uh, uh, and, and France and, and the British own property in Africa. And they control it. And they pull out natural resources to take it to Europe, mix it together and sell you the perfume. Okay, you need to understand. Read the book, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. Now, those Christians that went down there bargaining for the land. We're going to give you Jesus, but give us our land. We're going to give you Jesus, but give us our land. I'm giving you Jesus and the land. What are you all talking about? This is history. Get your head out of the sand. Look at what's happening in our world. It's real. You put up laws where they can't bargain with each other. Belgian, uh, uh, Niger can't bargain with Ethiopia. 
They have to bargain with Europe. And you all are talking about what? Because I preach that God wants you to have the land under your feet and your salvation. What are you talking about? Okay, so God wants you to have wealth. Let me try it again. I hope everybody don't leave. When I preach prosperity, but when Kenneth Colton comes to town and says, God wants you to prosper. That's a miracle. Or I'm trying to be like Cruffalo because I say God wants you to prosper. Come on, let's wake up now, little children. I say God wants you to be wealthy. God wants you to have more than enough. Come on. He's El Shaddai. More than enough. Glory, and he will bless you. It's coming. I don't know what's happening. I saw myself getting a mall, and all I had to do is pay a dollar. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's coming, but something as big is coming. I'm believing God for the big things. I've been thinking about corners. God said, I want you to take a city. I got to get the mindset of David. David saw the Jebusites. He said, you shouldn't be there. That's going to one day have a capital. It's going to be the capital of Israel called Jerusalem. I'm taking the city and it will be called the city of David. <laughs> Glory to God. You got to start thinking outside of the box. God wants you to own something. God wants you to buy it and own it with no sorrow. For the blessing of the Lord maketh one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. You start a business, he want to take it to the next dimension. Now you got to have administration. A lot of people want big, but they have no clue about administration. And if the blessing is bigger than you, it will crush you. That's why you need a God factor in the midst. Glory to God. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. Here's another thing. Healing is coming. Come on, say, I am healed by the power of his word. Healing is here. Holy Ghost is bringing it, administering healing. Not just healing from corona, but there's healing in your soul. I'm dealing with some soul anguish. I just finished a message called soul care. God wants you to have or to go through what we call inner healing. When you're inner healed, when you're innerly, inside of you is healed, you don't have to run from church to church. You don't have to run from city to city. Watch this, from relationship to relationship, you can settle down. And some of us need to be coached right, to let the Holy Ghost just massage the inside of your heart. That's why we need peace that passes understanding. Scripture says when it's inside of you, it will guard your heart. Anxiety, worry, frustration are like uh, razor blades inside of you, cutting up the inside of your heart, and you're scarred there. We need to heal you. We need the healing balm of Gilead on the inside of your heart, smoothing out the rough place. We need some cocoa butter inside of you. Glory to God. Spiritual cocoa butter, not literally. Thank you, Lord. You need God to just start massaging your heart. Many of us have a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And as a pastor, I can see it. Thank you, Lord. But God wants to heal us. He wants to heal us. Lastly, I believe deliverance is coming. Deliverance from bondage. Deliverance from fear. Deliverance from entanglements. Watch this. Deliverance from yesterday's shadows. Deliverance from tales of the crypt. Deliverance from church hurt. 
Deliverance from divorce. Deliverance from failure. Deliverance from drug addiction. Pills, cannabis, opioids, crack, cocaine, snorting, psychiatric, healing. And I'm really believing that God wants to deliver us. More people are entering into the kingdom with these strongholds. Come on, deliverance from strongholds. Right, deliverance from the mind, the, the imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought. Deliverance from wayward thinking, just way out there. Have you ever been trying to do what's right and then a thought come to your mind so grotesque, you just, oh my God, you feel nasty just because it came to your mind. Well, that's a part of your nature, your flesh, that every once in a while raises up. You haven't sinned because a thought came to you. It is when you think it, something inside of you connects with the temptation, and when you think about it too long and ponder it, when the thought is conceived, that means you thought about it so long that it's conceived in your heart. And then once it's conceived, it'll cause you to sin. And then when you sin, the end thereof is death. God wants you to deal with it when it becomes a thought. Never let it take conception. If you don't know my cell phone, you can dial my number all day. You'll never hit me. But if you dial my number, it's going to ring. And a lot of people haven't sinned because no one dialed your number. You like to point your finger, but if your phone was ringing, you may be having a different story. <laughs> I can't believe they did that. I can't believe it. You don't know what you would do when the chips are down. Get over that. For such were some of you. And, and listen, if it had not been for God, I wouldn't be here. I'm not good enough or smart enough to do this. God brought me out. God protects me. God washes me. God sanctifies me. Holy Ghost is working with me. Jesus loves me. Glory to God. Let's look at that little town and then I'll close this because I got to come back at 11. This little town called Bethany. Near Jerusalem. Bethany, write it down, means possession of peace. Possession of peace. Now, Jerusalem is the city of peace. Glory to God. Let me, let me go back. Jerusalem is possession of peace, not Bethany. Jerusalem. Bethany is a, is a feminine term, maybe Aramaic. But Jerusalem means city of peace or possession of peace. Sacred city. We know it as the capital of Israel. During the Bible days, a capital of Palestine. But what you need to think about when you think about Jerusalem is the man named David. Why does God love Jerusalem? Why would Jesus, when he, when he goes to rest, just come out just a little bit, but he's close to the city called Jerusalem? This is the place, Jerusalem, 
When David uh, became king, the Ark of the Covenant wasn't in its rightful place. In other words, Ark at that time represented the manifested presence of God for the nation of Israel. Moses created it, but it passed all the way down through the generations. The priests are carrying it. Under Saul's rule, the Philistines took it. Some nation took the Ark of the Covenant, put it in the temple. The scripture says the God that was standing before it the next morning had fallen down. So they erected the God back up again, the false God. The next morning when they came in, it not only fell down, his neck was cut and his arms were cut off. Nothing, no enemy, no idol can really stand in the presence of God. Glory. I wish I could preach that. I just, I got to move on. But the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. David, once he became king, God says, this is a man after my own heart. He's not saying that the man was flawless. But what he said is, I've got to get the presence of God. That which represents the presence in its rightful place. And I think we should have the same mindset. Write it down. Presence attracts presence. Whether that is demonic presence or divine presence. Holy, divine, holy, holy, divine presence. Sacred presence. <clears throat> demons will attract demons. Holy Spirit is attracted to God's presence. If you begin to worship, you're gonna, you begin to sanctify yourself, automatically the Holy Ghost is going to swoop on you. like a homing device for the presence of God hallelujah and David took the ark of the covenant back to Jerusalem glory to God not only did he do that but David could not take the tabernacle of Moses and put it on Mount Zion because the tabernacle had to be on flat land David saw Mount Zion as a place where the presence need to be in an elevated spot. And some of us are used to God dealing with us on ground level, first floor type presence. I just want you on Sunday or when I need something, first floor. I'll call you in Christmas time because I don't have enough money for my kids and I need you now. He's a spiritual Santa Claus. Or Easter, let's all dress up and go to church because, you know, God has been pretty good. That's first floor presence. David saw, I need to get it up on Zion. I need to get it to a high place. He had a vision of building a temple on Mount Zion. Laden with gold. We know he wasn't able to do it. But he furnished it. In other words, he got all of the materials ready for his son Solomon to do it. And some of us, we want to do everything, but we got to start thinking about legacy. What are we going to do? What are we leaving behind? What are we saying to the next generation? And what do we see them? What do we see them? Hopefully, we want to see them high and elevated. Not living in the valley too long. David had a vision. God loved this about him. 
The scripture says he brought the Ark of the Covenant to Zion. Then he says it can't be uncovered. And he erected a tent or a tabernacle to cover it. And it's called the tabernacle of David. Just a little tent. You know what he saw in vision form? The tent represented a body. And the Ark of the Covenant being on the inside. He saw God's presence being inside of us. Not externally. But living in us. <laughs> God loved that so much about the man. The scripture says that he forsook the tabernacle in its low place. And the cloud that was covering the tabernacle migrated to Zion and made the mountain smoky. Glory to God. And I really believe David uh, represents something for us today that if you want the smoke, glory to God, the Shekinah of his presence, we got to learn how to pack his glory on the inside of us and from the inside out. We give him worship and praise. I'm very close to Jerusalem. Glory to God. Glory to God. Tabernacle, dwelling place, covering for God's presence. Isaiah 16 and 5 says, in mercy, the throne will be established. In mercy, the throne will be established. And one will sit on it in truth. In the tabernacle of David. What? It's just a tent. In the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking justice and having righteousness. So you got the tabernacle of Moses you have the temple of Solomon. But when God comes, he's not choosing the temple. And he's not choosing the tabernacle of Moses. He will sit in the tabernacle of David. In other words, he will reign from the inside out. Presence attracts presence. Get him on the inside. You're going to walk full of the glory on the outside. Isaiah 16 and 5. Then we look at Amos 9 and 11. On that day I will raise up, look at this prophetic word, the tabernacle of David. He's not even mentioning the tabernacle of Moses or the temple of Solomon. But I will raise up the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. That little tent was broken. Sometimes we are broken. But because David, oh God, because David saw something that God wanted to live. God don't forsake us because we're broken. But he says, I'm going to raise up the tabernacle of David. Just like I'm going to raise up my people. I know your marriage is broken. I know your family is broken. I know your church is broken. I know Corona ran through your community. But I'm going to raise you up. And I'm going to fix the broken places. And I will raise up the fallen tabernacle and repair its damages. Who's going to do it? God says, I'm going to do it. And I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. God loved what David did so much. He's not trying to make something new. We're attracted to the lights, the cameras, and the action. All God wants is a body. Hallelujah. That he can live in. I'm going to make it just like it's old. Don't tell me there's nothing good in the old. Especially when it comes to God. And then Acts 15 and 16. Verse 17 as well. After this. 
Everybody say after this. I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. And I will rebuild his ruins. And I will set it up. Hallelujah. I'm prophesying to somebody. So that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. In other words, when God restores you and his presence is on the inside, people around you are going to start seeking the Lord. Because I saw how far you had fallen and how messed up you were and how twisted you were. But God straightened out your limbs and brought you back into the house of God. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, said the Lord, who does all these things. God says, the nations are going to see what I'm doing in your life. Woo, Jesus. Glory to God. As I close, you need to know this. This is why God forsook the tabernacle of Moses. It was a bloody place. The altar represents Jesus. That's where he died on Calvary. After that, after the blood, the next level to go in, it's not the inner court. It is the golden laver. In other words, you had to wash. You had to wash, not just the blood away, but it represents the guilt and shame. Because blood don't remove guilt and shame. The washing of the word does. Hallelujah. And a lot of people don't understand how powerful Jesus is and how powerful the church community is. Oh, I don't like that. I don't got that, 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 that don't touch me. I'll text and I'll move and do this stuff while the word is going forth. But if you're going to get washing, if you're going to get the washing of your guilt and the washing of your past, you've got to sit up under the word of God. And when you sit up on the word of God, he has a way of dealing with that stuff that nobody knows about and putting it under the feet, glory to God, and washing it away. And once you throw the water away, you throw the guilt away. There are people who are trying to enter into worship and they don't understand the washing. I can cleanse you. I can cleanse you up real good with some soap. But who's washing out your mind? Glory to God. Only the word that is quick and powerful and sharpening any double-edged sword. It pierces even to the division of soul and spirit out of the joint and the marrow. Hallelujah. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the soul, the heart. And if we don't have word, we'll never be washed there. He even washes our conscience with pure water. Woo, Jesus. And then once you're washed, you can really enter into worship. You can understand intercession. And understand the table of showbread. And understand, understand the altar of incense. Ah, Jesus. And the golden lampstand. And how the lamp is there to illuminate bread. Not to give you a prophetic word. Holy Ghost not trying to give you a prophet every week. People that work for a prophetic word every week, they don't read the word. Holy Ghost is in the tabernacle gives illumination to that loaf of bread right there. That you will walk right past. It's not attractive. It's not wonder. It's not wheat. It's unleavened bread. It's lumpy. 
And there's a lot of people running past. They're looking for big buildings, looking like Colosseum. That must be God. But he's not in that. He's in the tabernacle of David. He's in the flesh. He inhabits the praises of his people. Not in big temples. The temple should only house the real tabernacle. Which are you? Nobody should be attracted to how a stage looks. But can you see the bread? Thank you, God. I thank God, Holy Ghost showed me the bread. Could you imagine Jesus being in here himself and you walk right past him because you're looking for him to look like a star? It's got to look like a movie star before you bow. Read Isaiah 53. He didn't look like a movie star. And who will declare his generations? Only the Holy Ghost can show you how powerful he is. He will illuminate him. Thank you, Lord. That's why Jerusalem is so powerful. It's the place where David said, I can't just have a city. I have to have the presence here. Jesus knowing as the son of David where the presence lies, he chose a city not far to rest. We are way too far away, too far away from our Jerusalem. time to come home. Stay close. Stay close. Father, I thank you for this part one. Give me strength to minister the appearing and expect a visitation. Expect an official visit of the Holy Ghost. Help us to start thinking about the distance between us. Between our Jerusalem and our Bethany. Thank you that the oil, thank you for the peace, the possession of peace, the city of peace. Thank you, God, that you are not just in the city, you're in the tabernacle of David, you prophesied it. I give you praise, glory, and honor for it. I love you for this moment that we're in. I pray that holy expectation would rise. That we will begin to prepare ourselves for another dimension of your glory. I pray for Trim Nation around the world that you will manifest your glory. That you will begin to raise up in the hearts of your people a sense of expectation. That we would expect, anticipate, and not cower at the examination and the assessment that comes when you enter into a house. You're not there to kill. Like you didn't kill Lazarus, Martha, or Mary. Father, help me to articulate this message that's going to help others to deal with their maladies. And I give you praise for that. I pray for the lost. For those who may not know you. As I quote the sinner's prayer for them, Lord, I pray that you would bring conviction in the hearts of your people. 
And I thank you for adding to the kingdom such as to be saved. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you're watching, if you're connected, you want to be saved, repeat after me, Father, I confess my sin to you. Forgive me. I acknowledge and confess the Lord Jesus as the full payment of all of my wrong. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart. Live in me. Heal me. Let your presence abide in me. Holy Spirit, fill me. I invite you in. Lord, thank you for being my Savior and my King. I bless you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. It has been a real joy to share the Word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.